Welcome to the Doggy Dan Podcast Show, helping you unleash the greatness within your dog. Hello and welcome everybody to another podcast show with Doggy Dan. And today I am with Dr. Colleen Dell. Now, this is going to be so fun because Dr. Colleen uh, is... She seems to be such a fascinating person. She has a, um, she's touched into so many different areas of working with dogs and veterans, dogs um, who are entering prisons, dogs who are working with people with um, serious trauma, dogs who are working with people who have addictions, and even dogs who are helping students um, with stress at university. So, Dr. Colleen Dell is. She's a PhD who was appointed as Centennial Enhancement Chair in One Health and Wellness at the University of, let me try and get this right, Saskatchewan in 2016. That is in Canada. And she had a focus on addiction and mental health. She's also a professor in the Department of Sociology and School of Public Health. She's spoken on uh, TEDx. And um, she basically, she works locally, nationally, globally to attain optimum health for people, domestic animals, wildlife, plants, and in our our environment. So that's what One Health does. Um, It's basically a fascinating program that you're involved with, Colleen. It's an honor to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you. It's so great to be on your show. It's really great to meet you virtually. Yeah. One of the things about you is you're so hard to introduce you. (laughs) You're a professor. You've got 3,000 hours of experience providing community-based service to, you know, different assisted interventions. Can you put it in your own words what you do? It's a, you know, you've got such a wealth of canine behavioral psychology knowledge. You've worked (laughs) at extreme canine professional dog training in Illinois. Tell us in your own words who you are, what you do, and what your passion is. Yeah, well, that's a big question. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah. So my whole background is in criminal justice and social justice. So I well, there you go. There's <laughs> another angle to yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it kind of threads through everything. So my background has been working with uh, women and men in prison, and then after the PhD, and I started teaching. Um, it really went into addiction. So addictions obviously is an important part of prison. It's why a lot of people are there. And after a while, not a while, almost 20 years of being in the field, I was like, you know, this, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. We're seeing the same theories. We're looking at these issues in the same way. Either I'm really tired and I need to give up and do something else, or we need to look at things differently. And just by chance, someone said, well, what about animals? Do animals fit in there anywhere? Do you want to work with animals? And I was like, hmm, I don't know. I have a dog. <laughs> I have two dogs and two cats at the time. And I honestly went home and I Googled dogs and addiction. And one study came up by Wesley in the States, and it showed that therapy dogs were important to people. So these dogs who were visiting at addiction treatment center were important to them. And it was from there, it was like, oh, that's interesting. And I can ask the question a little bit differently, right, of looking at addictions and thing, you know, how can we do things different in the addictions yeah. field? 
um, looking through the lens of the animal, incorporating the animal at the same time. And and so, it, it, am I correct in saying it's really a case of you're working with um, not so much the prevention, but those people who are kind of in trouble and trying mm-hmm. to help them out of trouble with the use of these dogs primarily. Is that right? Yeah, on the social justice side, so in the prisons and so forth. But on the other side, when we're working in um, the university during exam time, stressful yep. times, then I would say it's more of a prevention for mental health, yes. right? Yes. So, but underlying whether it is that person, whether it's that student in the university or it's that prisoner in isolation, right, who's incarcerated, both are disconnected. And that's where the animal comes in. And for me, that's where the dog comes in, right, is helping to make that connection for individuals who are missing that, who are isolated. Again, whether it's mental health or it's a physical isolation, and obviously mental too. If you were in, you're imprisoned. Mm. So can you let's let's um like I said, there's so many areas we could go, and I'm really just going to let this um, let this podcast really just go its own way, and, and I'm going to follow my own kind of passion, which yeah, you know, I have a big passion for helping men who are in trouble, and um, yeah, so those prisons and those. Those men who connect with those dogs, what 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 is going on there? You talk about the connection, which I'm sure is a huge part of it. How how do the dogs help more than just being I mean, I'm presuming they're more than just kind of a pet dog. Yeah. What what is it at the deepest level? What's happening there? I mean, and do the dogs stay there? Um, do they live with them? Yeah. You know what? There's all kinds of programs gotcha. all over North America yeah. or across the world when you're working with the dogs in the prisons. Yes. So some of them are actually training dogs who have been in shelters to go out to be um, adopted into a family. Beautiful. Some of them are training service dogs, right? Yes. Um, some of those, again, are shelter dogs. Um, the Some of the programs are like uh, animal-assisted Uh, activities they call it it's where as a companion animal I take my therapy dog who's just a really friendly dog and loves people I take that dog into the prison so for people to have a connection and to visit with the dog right so there's lots of different forms and what I do with my partner Darlene Chalmers she's a social worker at the University of Regina here in Saskatchewan and we take the dogs um, we have therapy dogs so these really friendly companion dogs that just love people right we take them there for a week at a time and it we do a program that looks at three things uh, bond with the dog trust and respect so BTR better And while we look at these three things, those individuals in our program are able to look at their recovery plans from addiction. And they're so we are doing things with the dogs. So activities like learning to walk with the dog. And you would know this so well. So if you're trying to establish a bond, you've been incarcerated. Let's say someone's been incarcerated for 25 years and we have people who have. That ability to bond with someone or have that connection is obviously incredibly difficult. But when we bring in the dog, and this is what you'll know, right? You bring in the dog and we perceive them not to judge. But what the dog also does, it gives you immediate feedback. So we can talk to you. We can talk to an offender about whatever, you know, this is anti-violence type of things. And we can do therapy and so forth. 
but you don't have that ability to get that immediate feedback. In that immediate feedback that comes from the dog, that it's just real, right? Yeah. They, we often say dogs don't lie. If the dog's telling you this, that's that's the dog's truth. Absolutely. So, you know, on the first day, let's say the people come in, we usually have a group of about 10 and we keep that cohort. We work with them over the years after. We go back every six months. We do online video conferencing with them and so forth. But let's just say it's the first day. Uh, we have a group of 10 and let's take, I have Annabelle. Annabelle is a therapy dog I work with. She lives with me and she's a bulldog and she could be rather stubborn. She's very much about a dog who likes control in the house or in her environment. So if you don't have that sense of um, leadership or what have you, she isn't walking with you, right? Yes. So all we do in that first day is, or in that first beginning, uh, one of the inmates comes up, you know, they're walking with the dogs, all's good. We switch off to the next inmate and Annabelle's like, no, I'm going to sit down. No interest in walking with you. Right. And it's like, he's like, what, what, what's going on? And it's like, Hey, isn't this a beautiful opportunity to talk about? Are you anxious? Are you nervous? You, you probably have your shoulders really slumped. You're not showing any leadership because yes. this is what you're looking for. Right. Yes, totally. So, how could we do that person to person? I can't say that to him. No. Right? Because it'd be like, oh, you just told me everything everyone's been telling me for the last 15 years. But when Annabelle does it and she's so cute, right? It's like, oh, uh, well, I really want to get Annabelle to walk. Oh, me, this so is so beautiful. Help me, Colleen, do that, right? You know, it's so funny. It's um, it's exactly what I experienced with my dear son on the beach the other day. I, I, um, I told him to. I told him to put one of our dogs on the lead. I think it was Moses. And my son, who's mm -hmm. 10, he, he likes to play the fool. And he made a lot of screaming noises and waved his arms around and ran towards Moses. And Moses ran away and he could not get this dog on the lead. It was, I said, <laughs> so I said, Stanley, your energy is so high. You've scared Moses. And right. his face dropped. I said, you're scared her. You've scared him. See what happens if you crouch down and be calm. And, and, you know, of course, the dog came over very calmly, put the lead on. He was so proud. And yeah. and then uh, exactly the same thing happened with um, Jack, who is a much tougher dog. You can't scare Jack right. if you tried. And right. I told him to walk him, and he was just so weak and loose and kind of let Jack lead. And I told him, <laughs> take control. And I showed him, this is how you take control of the dog. You show Jack how to walk. You've got to be in charge. Yeah, and you see him shoulders back, like you say, and he's striding out, turning and turning, and so that's just brilliant. I love it. And yeah. those three words again, or the the two things you said is the dogs don't judge. That's so huge. Yes, yeah. or at least we perceive them not to yes. judge. Sometimes I think Annabelle is judging. <laughs> well, they they are judging, but it's from a very neutral, independent. It's yeah. like a non personal place. It's not like. I'm judging you because of the shoes you wear or because of your name or your skin color or your shape. Yeah. It's from your heart. They're judging your heart and your energy. Yes, that's exactly it. You're right. That's exactly it. And how, how often do we have those opportunities to grow and expand from that type of feedback? Yeah. Right? And that, I think that's the, I hate using the word as an academic, but that's the magic. You know, I feel like we could stop the podcast right now. Just re just go back <laughs> over what we <laughs> – because yeah. what you touched on for me is just huge in terms of 
understanding what's really happening with our dogs. I'm trying to tie this back into my listeners, all you people listening out there who want, who have dogs and want to understand your dogs better. What we're saying here is, can you remind me of those three words? There's the connection. Is that right? Yeah, it's bond, bond. trust, trust, and respect, BTR. And it comes from a video from, it's called Dogs on the Inside. Mm. And it's, it's a program in the States where they're training dogs um, to the, or the rehabilitating, if you want to use that word, shelter dogs to live with people. And this is what they do through their program. And it was just like, that just fits so well. So we designed ours around bond, trust and respect. And, you know, especially for people in prison, you just think about respect or even people in our own families. Do we actually respect animals? Do we actually respect our pets? Well, that's where I was coming from. Yeah. Yeah. And and it kind of applies to humans as well, that when you meet a person, you have to try and bond. My my wife and I, we often talk about you have to come on side with someone first. Right. Before you start telling them how to do something or you have to bond, show that you care. Um, and then you have to trust them, which, yeah, slightly different in respect. And then as we talked about, the dogs don't judge. However, they are acutely aware of the energetics oh. and especially your intentions of your heart. Yes. And, and I think as a dog owner, that's the bit which we often miss, that the dogs are so acutely aware of whether you're stressed, would you would you say? Or is that what the dogs are picking up on? Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, 100%. And this kind of switches from the, from the um, inmates that we work with, but we also work with um, veterans who have post-traumatic stress disorder that are working with service dogs. And those service dogs that are helping them with their psychiatric disabilities, right? Whether they're waking them up at a nightmare or helping them regulate their emotions or telling them that, ah, you're starting to heighten. We better go in the corner here. Wow. Right? Calm down again. That is that, I think, epitome, if that's the right words, of the dogs being so in sync with the human, even more so than the human possibly yes um understanding where they're at so so let's just go through this again because it's probably clear as clear as um i don't know what the analogy is clear as clear water yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's as clear as bottled water but but for some people listening i think this is again the importance here is so you're saying that these dogs actually wake up veterans who are having nightmares they can actually do that yes absolutely and they can calm them down yeah that's just, I didn't know that. So that's just like, wow. Yeah. And I mean, how powerful is that? Um, and then the other thing you're saying is when they're becoming stressed, the dog is aware of that and it takes them away somewhere just to, just alerts them to the fact they're getting stressed and calms them down. Yeah. Yeah. And for some dogs, that's a smell, right? They're able to smell certain hormones that are going on as wow. they start to learn from their human. And in one of our projects, one of the ones we're doing now, but we've been doing it for a couple of years. And I had the opportunity to train a service dog. And that was a remarkable experience. And I had a, he was a family dog already. His name was Subi. And he had a, we had a really strong bond for, for certain reasons. We had a really strong bond. And then as part of this project, if I was asking the veterans to train dogs and to study them, it's like, well, I better train a dog too. So I understand what I'm asking. And my research partner, Darlene Chalmers, she did the same with a dog named Ruby. Um, but the n- most, it was just amazing to me because I was like, 
because I'm a researcher, right? So I want the evidence. It's like, yeah, I understand the dogs do these things. Like they wake people up and they know when someone's stressed, but I've never seen it, right? Yeah. I haven't experienced. So here I am training Subi. He's with me all the time. I was teaching in a class and he was sleeping. So he's at the front of the room with me and he's sleeping. So, and I put up a, a slide and it was, a lot of stats and I looked at it and I forgot like I totally forgot what I was going to teach my class so I had you know 120 eyes looking at me and, and then I started to get really flustered and it was like I really don't know what I'm doing with this slide uh, so it was probably a matter of 30 seconds yep. and then all of a sudden I feel Subi leaning on my leg Yep. so he got up out of his sleep and yep. there he was because yeah. he could tell. And I was like, so I didn't do any actions. I'm just kind of staring at the screen. So he picked up on my energy, whether he's smelling the stress hormone or whatever's going on. Yeah. And that was my aha moment. And it was like, okay, now I believe because I experienced and we worked with that. And he did some pretty amazing things with his life. Uh, and that allowed you probably to bridge into your uh, discussion that you the stuff you wanted to talk about. You could probably talk about oh. Subi and what he'd done and yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Do you want to tell us any more about Subi? I know it's like to have a special, very special dog. Yeah. There are those really special ones, right? That, that. What did you learn from him? What was the main things? What did he do? Um, Subi was selfless. Uh. He was absolutely selfless. And he, he, I got him when my uh, brother had died. And then, um, so I had him as a little puppy and probably got a little bit of separation anxiety because I used to sit with him on my lap so much. But then at about three, okay, he had a lot of separation anxiety. I didn't understand what I was doing, right? He was yeah. comforting me as a puppy. So yeah. anyway, at three, he got a job as a therapy dog, a volunteer therapy dog. And he excelled at that, I think, so much because he's so used to giving comfort. Yes. Uh, and he was selfless. And I'm just going to give you an example. And it kind of ties into, again, uh, the service dogs or therapy dogs, just knowing and sensing what's going on. We had a terrible tragedy here in Canada a couple of years ago where a bus had um, uh, got hit or uh, a bus had hit another bus of ho young hockey players. Uh -huh. They were all young teens and 16 uh, were killed and 13 were injured. And in this small community, um, we went to the memorial for the community, which was absolutely packed, right? Mm. And they had a number of therapy dogs thinking that this might help some individuals. And that was another point where I was just like, he, it was really interesting to watch him because at this point he was really fine tuned with seeking out stress. That was his thing. And he would, they were in an arena and he would go down a, um, a row you know, saying hi to people, people petting him. And then he would choose specific people he would go up to and he would hug. Yeah. Right. Totally. And it was interesting because he was choosing people who were very, very stoic. So who were probably holding it in yeah. that grief so hard. Right. So that was Subi. He was yeah. amazing and selfless. Yeah. Uh, I saw once um, a program about a documentary, which is sort of similar how a horse was, uh, taken into a hospital and the oh. horse would walk around and choose which doors to go in. Amazing. And the horse literally was picking the most unbelievable. It was often people who'd only had a few days to live or a week to live right. or somebody who, 
and the horse said, I want to go and see this person. It's like they have another sense, which is, yeah, you know, my, um, I, I have a, you know, I, I got four dogs or had four, five dogs on the property. Yeah. The one who passed away called Peanut, she passed away in 2018. Mm. She was a bit of a Subi. She, she had such love. And mm. there was one day towards the end of her life, she was probably 12 years old. Yeah. And she, she'd stopped wanting to wander down the other end of the house years earlier. Yeah. So she'd hardly wandered down there. Right. You know, in the last five years, she'd probably been down two or three times. She just didn't bother. Right. And then one day she was up out of her bed, almost pouring at the door, telling me to open it oh. to go down the corridor. And I was like, why? Yeah. Now my wife had a studio where she did work with people. She's a physio and a trained counselor sort of um, energetically works with people. Yeah. And Peanut walked down the corridor and looked at the door and said, open it, get it open fast, quick, oh. let me in. I've got to get in. I was like, what do you want to go in there for? I opened the door. She, she marched in. I look, or actually, before I opened it and let Peanut in, I looked at my wife and said, Peanut's here. Right. Peanut Butter wants to come in. And my wife gave it a thumbs up, meaning, yep, she's absolutely right. She needs to be here. Yeah. She went in. There was a lady on the couch on a, on a raised table, and Peanut went straight in, lay down underneath her. Oh. And I thought, wow. Anyway, a bit later, I said to my wife, Jenny, I said, what was that about? What, was Peanut correct? Did, yeah. Did it, was it appropriate? Jenny said this woman had just at that moment said, I really don't understand or have no comprehension or understanding of what unconditional love is. Oh, my gosh. Wow. She said, I I've never experienced. Uh, people always want something right. from me. It's a transactional. Give me this because I'll give you this because I want that. Yeah. But what's unconditional love? And at that point, Peanut came in and just lay. Wow. And, um, and this lady loved dogs. Oh. She absolutely loved dogs. So it was how Peanut knew how these animals do it. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, that's beautiful just to hear how you work. And so to tell me something I'm always fascinated mm -hmm. about is I guess some dogs are better suited to this than others. In fact, surely some dogs are not cut out for this at all. Is that? Yeah. How do you see that? Absolutely. And I think that's where the animal welfare component comes into all this, right? As human beings, we're very, um, very much about ourselves. I don't think we do that great of a job taking care of our planet or our animals personally. Um, and I think that includes our companion animals as well, right? It's like, mm -hmm. what can you do for me? What can you do for me? Yeah. And I think for myself getting into, and I'm going to put myself in that category too. It's, yeah, me too. Right? It's just, it's what we do. <laughs> uh, for me, for me working with, as the dogs, as therapy dogs is really interesting in the beginning because I really started to acknowledge um, the personality of the dog. And when I started doing some testing, we work with St. John's Ambulance here uh, with our therapy dog program. And when I started to do the dog testing, it became really evident really quick as soon as the dog would come in the room, you know, whether they absolutely love people and they want to give them that attention or they're like, they're just kind of there and maybe they're there for their owner, right? Because mm. she's telling me to do this. So, okay, you can pet me. So it was just like, I really clued in there around, okay, we, and we know this, that they each have their own personalities and you know that really well through dog training, but it was about, okay, so if you're not cut out to be a therapy dog, maybe you'll like agility yes, or maybe you like 
to do obedience or, or you're good at something else, right? And so I think with more people talking about therapy dogs and so forth, it's just like, well, how can I make my dog be a therapy dog? And you can't. You can do the basic yep. training and obedience and things like that, but you can't. They have individual personalities, and that human-animal bond is so important to them as well. And I think that's where I've kind of shifted a bit and putting us more on an equal plane, even though I know in society that we don't have equal roles. But trying to, at least for us in our research, also trying to see and incorporate the dog as a co-researcher to the best that we can. Yes, yes. Great. Now, so just going into that a bit more, what would you say the main characteristics or personality traits in a dog? What What are the most um, most useful or powerful for the other different ones for like assisting in veterans? Could you pick out a couple or prisons? Because I'm guessing the sort of traits you need for prisons is different from working with people who have addictions. Is that correct? Or yeah, is it pretty much the same? Is there anything? Well, you know, it's really interesting because so for the service dogs, there's there's we are seeing more and more with the service dogs who are waking the veterans up and they're with them all the time. And those are the ones who go into the stores with them and so forth. So a service dog, yes, a lot we're seeing are more specifically bred like you would have as, as a seeing eye dog. Right. And some dogs absolutely are um, from shelters and they're trained and so forth. Yes. Um, for the therapy dog side. I think the traits really depend, like you were saying there, depending on where you're going. So at a senior's residence, you're going to need a pretty calm dog, right? Because you don't want the yeah. dog too hyper at a senior's residence. So you want that calm dog, but you really want that dog that is seeking out attention from the individual. So, you know, when you go up to, well, I'm sure all dogs are coming up to you, but if, if someone goes up to a dog and the dog kind of shuns them or goes away or doesn't want to be pet by them, if you're already going into, let's say, an addiction treatment center and I bring in my dog and my dog doesn't even want to be pet by you, well, that's not helpful, yeah. right? Yeah. So we want these dogs who are like comfortable in any any situation at all, but also matching their energy with where they're going. So you know, Subi at the memorial, he was a super calm dog. That's mm. what you wanted. At the prison, Kisby, she's now retired, but she's a therapy dog in my house. And she's just a barrel laugh. She's a she's a boxer. And she's just, the boxers are full of energy, right? And they're funny. Mm. So in the prison, that's a really good thing because it's not a very happy place. And the guys just like to play um, ball with her in yep. between doing our programming, right? And she just absolutely loves that, and she's so happy. So, yeah, it's about it's about the dog and the dog wanting to be with people. That's number one. Beautiful. And that's not going to be every dog, right? Got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the other side is match them where they're going. Yeah, it's interesting because I was chatting to somebody about this the other day about as a human. Yeah. You know, sometimes our energy can be so off. Yeah. You know, we all have like sometimes, uh, not everybody, but sometimes I know I have had too much energy and I've turned up at maybe somebody who's relaxing at the cafe and I've, right. their energy at the cafe, they've wanted to relax at a, maybe a two or three out of 10. Yeah. And I've turned up with all this energy, <laughs> like a seven or an eight, because yeah. I'm excited and I've almost dumped it all on them. Yeah. And I've walked off. 
And at least now I'm aware of when I sometimes do that and I go, I think I just dumped a load of energy. I didn't, right. I, it comes back to, I didn't come into that relationship with them and create a bond and feel where they were at. So right. it's actually interesting because it's the same as with humans. Can you gauge the energy of the situation you're in or do you just come in with your bulldozer style energy and not really feel where everybody's at? And yet at the same time, as you just mentioned as well, yeah. Sometimes it's beautiful to be able to increase the energy mm -hmm. if it's appropriate, you know, add more energy at a party maybe. In. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where the handler comes in too, right? Yeah. So we work at a psychiatric facility yeah. uh, with forensic patients and there usually the energy is pretty low. So when I would take Kisby in, if it was the right time, I would allow them to play ball with her yes. or I would allow her to get ramped up because everyone's in a good mood or, you know, I could be meeting one-on-one -on -one with someone who just had um, some therapy and is in a really low mood. So I remember one time with Kisby and remembering the dogs always know, respond to that energy a lot too, right? Totally. So the one person came in who usually likes to play ball with her and he came in and he just slumped and laid on the ground. So Kisby went over to him and just laid beside him. Uh, and this is like super energetic Kisby, but she already has that bond, trust and respect with him. And she knew what he needed. So for that half hour visit, I just sat on a chair and he sat on the, or he laid on the ground and pet her. And that was it. Right. So I think what I should say here is, we as the handlers are always following the lead of the dog. Yep. Right. Yep. And sometimes we kind of have to rein them in if I'm gauging what's going on, because they're not a hundred percent on all the time, nor am I reading a situation perfectly all the time. So it's about us working together too, with that bond, trust and respect and really working together as a team. Mm, totally. As you go through so much of it, it reminds me of Dear Peanut. Aww. It's like my dog, Peanut. She was just, she made me look so good. Yeah. She, I could walk into almost any situation. And, you know, sometimes I literally did. I used to go, oh my gosh, I have no idea what's going on here. Right. And I'd just look at, I'd look at Peanut and I'd go, Peanut, what, what, do, we, what do you reckon? Yeah. yeah. Is that an aggressive dog or is that an overexcited dog? And she'd go, oh, that's just, just excited. And this literally happened. There was a dog uh, okay. lunging and barking and it was a big dog. Yeah. And I was like, oh, not sure. You know, my dog's aggressive, they'd said. And I looked and I thought, yeah, that is pretty scary. Yeah. If that dog attacked Peanut, I I'm in trouble. We're all in trouble. Mm -hmm. I can see why you don't socialize that dog at all. And, but Peanut was like looking at me going, yeah, I can go and calm that one. Uh, and I was like, it's bigger than you, Peanut. It could maul you. It's, yeah. And she she pulled me towards her. And sometimes it was better for me to just let her off leash. And and that's what I did. I just right. said, okay, be be careful. Yeah. Stay stay calm or whatever. And I un untook the leash off. And she just walked over to this big, woolly, bouncing, barking, frothing, frenzied thing on a leash. And I honestly thought, baby, be careful. Yeah. It's going to attack. And she got close. And as soon as this other dog was able to, you know, it's, it's on two legs, this dog. Right. It's lunging. As soon as it got close enough to sniff Peanut, it dropped on its side on on its back, lay on the grass on its on its back. Oh, God. 
There you go. And I was just almost crying. No kidding. Like, oh, man. Thank you, Peanut. So, yeah. It's like, oh, I would never have let her so close or yeah. at least not so quickly. But yeah. she could see it's just begging to be loved, to, to connect for attention. And, yeah. They're amazing. Um, so they can really see stuff that we can't see or can't read yeah. as easily. Tell me, do you ever have a situation where you sometimes feel like the dogs, you know, I mean, I guess the first question is, do the dogs, can they sense bad energy and what is bad energy? And then mm -hmm. maybe I'll lead into my next question. But do you, what's your take around bad energy? I mean, we all talk about yeah. bad energy. Do they pick up on bad vibes? I mean, I've only had, and I've been doing this for a little over eight years now, and I've had, I've worked with, in our forensic facility, um, some very, as would be defined in the criminal justice system as dangerous people, extremely yes. dangerous people. Yeah. I've not had one experience ever in that situation. Not nothing that I ever picked up on. There was only one time where it was Kisby and someone that she really liked at the forensic facility, a woman. And we were going to take pictures that day and this woman came in and Kisby really like wanted absolutely nothing to do with her. And I didn't clue in. And then um, I was like, Hey, Kisby, come on. Let's I've, I've, I'm seeing that she doesn't want to go by her. So I have her by the collar. So the woman could pet her a bit. And then Kisby's kind of backing up. And I thought, what the heck? I said, okay, let's do our picture now. Right. And I kind of sat in the middle and then her, one of the um, mental health therapists there had said she's heavily medicated because she had been self-harming so bad for the past 24 hours. So oh, yes. that's what that yes. was. And absolutely. So I was like, okay. So what we did for the rest, again, I didn't want her to feel bad. And the next time she saw Kisby, it was back to regular, right? It was absolutely totally. So I just sat and I pet Kisby a lot and I let her pet Kisby on the head mostly. I said, just pet her softly on the head. I maybe said something like Kisby's not feeling well today or something. It didn't matter what I said, right? Just to have this calm little session. Um, where she can pet Kisby a bit, but I was really aware of Kisby's uneasiness. So yes. I made sure yep. that Kisby got lots of treats while we were petting and afterwards. And yeah, just wanted to make sure I was petting Kisby a lot and talking to her plus the patient yep. at that same time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've experienced that myself where the dogs definitely pick up very easily when people are on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that. If they're on drugs, oh, my dogs, they know it. Um, the other one that the dogs seem to know is if an energy is too high, if somebody is too excited, as I mentioned before with my son or right. a person turns yeah. up and the energy is all getting stressful and frustrated. Yeah. Um, th that for me, though, is more the energy that's happening rather than the person themselves. It's almost like yeah. the person may have done, I guess this ties in with the non-judgment, mm -hmm. that you can have done a lot of bad things in your life, yeah. but that dog will not so much judge you on those things as how you are in this exact moment in time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. I have a really good example. This is a personal example. Recently, my mom yeah. passed in January. So that was, that will probably be the hardest time in my life, right? That was very, mm -hmm. very difficult. 
So Annabelle and Kisby, and we have the new pup, Subi. So Annabelle's very, they're all very bonded to me. The new pup, not so much because he's new, right? Kisby with me all the time. For the first four days after she had passed, Annabelle, my husband had noticed too, she pretty well ignored me. And the reason for that is my energy. She needs to be in control. She's a very controlling dog. And I think I was so, even though I didn't feel out of control, but I'm sure my emotions were just everywhere, right? So it took her about four days. It was around the fifth day where she started coming around again. It was like, to me, that was fascinating. And I completely stayed away from her because I had to respect that for her. She has to have control. I am also her leader. I am her alpha in the house. That's how I see it. That's how we work together, right? I'm the leader in that. (laughs) I wasn't being a leader. So I'm sure she was just kind of beside herself. I also had to make myself aware that um, I had to be strong too, because if I'm not a leader, she thinks she's a leader and she is a horrible leader. She's just, just <laughs> the worst. She is a bully. She is such a bully. Yeah. So I made so I had to keep that in mind too. And that probably helped me move forward, right? And kind of getting it together yeah. because I was like, okay, I know what happens if I'm not a good leader for her. And yeah, it was around the fifth yeah. day. So I just yeah, it was a recent experience. It was like, this is super interesting. And I totally understand what's going on here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's great. I talking about leaders, peanut, <laughs> peanut. She, if you made her the leader, she, she was just perfect. That was the problem with her. Right. You could, well, it wasn't a problem. It was just the case of, I thought I was a great dog owner, <laughs> dog trainer, but actually no, I had an amazing dog who yeah. knew how to, whereas I've got other dogs, little Inca, she's, by nature she was not so much now yeah. but she was so nervous that Aww. she would uh she would not be a good leader but right. she so full of love she uh-huh. sort of dog would come into a hospital and cuddle yeah but she's a good example of a dog who will pick up on anybody you see who is nervous uh, because she's a nervous by disposition right she is she will pick up on anyone who's kind of timid or nervous around her nervous of dogs right right and she'll go for them a bit uh, she'll be like snarling and snapping at uh, kind of Kind of, it's almost that mirror thing, yeah. you know, that we often don't like people who remind us of ourselves. Yeah. If we haven't dealt with that sort of issue, we kind of go, I don't like that person. They are yeah. X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And we're just reflecting our own stuff that we haven't really looked at X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah. And Inca's is fearfulness. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah, they tell us a lot, eh? They sure do. So I'm sure you got so many stories about different dogs doing crazy things or things in the prisons or um, maybe with addiction people where you didn't really think it was going to happen like it did and it just worked out or something happened that blew you away. Have you got any? Um, yeah. Any other? Any thoughts of uh, stories of a dog? A dog who did something you really could hardly believe or understand. Or, imagine how it had done it all yeah i can think of one that's about the dog welfare but i also think about one that is about the human welfare if i can share them both yeah 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 for sure love it love stories the human one um was at the prison that where myself and darlene hold the program it's called positive support and we were this is the first our first cohort so the first time we were there just developed the program And we were working with a cohort of five individuals. And one of them, uh, his name is Raymond. 
and he had been in for about 20 years at that time. So he hadn't seen a dog in 20 years. So that alone, I think, wow. <laughs> just has an impact seeing the animal and everything we've talked about. Imagine being that person and now seeing the dog and interacting with the dog and so forth. So I shared this story in my TED Talk because I just love this story because it was an aha moment for me too. And it was where Darlene... So Annabelle had to go under a badminton net. We had this kind of obstacle course set up. And she had to go under a badminton net, but the badminton rackets were hanging down. The guys put them like that. And she's like, yep, yep. no, I'm not going to do that. No, thanks. <laughs> no, I don't like it. So, and I know she can do it, but she's like, don't want to. So I said, I was on one side of Raymond and Darlene is on the other. And we're saying, okay, Raymond, so now you have to use your connection with Annabelle to get her to trust you, that bond, that respect, to get her to go under this badminton net. Because <laughs> yep. if I went on the other side, she'd come right away. So, but it's you need to do it, right? Um, he's like, so he'd be like, okay, Annabelle, come. <laughs> he'd be like, yeah. no, <laughs> be your authentic self, Raymond. Just be yourself, be who you are. And then we again, like, Annabelle, come. And then we're like, come on, just be yourself, be who you are. So remember, he's been in for 20 years, right? So I'm sure he doesn't even know who his authentic self is because he has this, this masculine to survive, yeah, right? This totally, totally. To survive in prison. So it, was, it felt like a long time, but it was probably about three, four, five minutes. And then all of a sudden we heard, Annabelle, come, like in this really happy voice. <laughs> and what did Annabelle do? right under the net and right to him, oh, right? Beautiful. So what an experience for me to see that and for him to experience that because him and Annabelle, she became his little sis. And uh, he still refers to her as a little sis. We we send him pictures all the time of wow, what she's up Beautiful. To, right? Beautiful. So, and he's done just absolutely amazing um, in prison since being in the program. And a lot of honesty, uh, things that he wasn't honest with about before, but it was that connection he made with her. And it was seeing outside himself because on the very last day, a lot of their friends, the cohort, their friends come and they watch and Annabelle, they watch him do this obstacle course that they set up. And so they're, you know, over a course of a week, they're able to do these obstacle courses without um, a leash on the dog and the dog looking at them. Right. So really great stuff. And they're very proud. Mm. And, but yeah, Annabelle sat down in the middle and she's like, I'm done. I don't oh, want to brilliant. do this anymore. So I'm always watching her. So I'm looking at her ears, right? Her ears went down. It's like, okay, she's really done. She's not comfortable anymore. Before he had even time to go get her, Raymond was up from the back of the room, scooped her up, big bulldog, went back, sat in his chair, and here's Annabelle sitting on him. Big smile, her tongue's hanging out of her mouth. And I was like, oh boy, Raymond you got it beyond anything, right? You so got it. And, and I, you know, hoping that he takes that forward and he has. Beautiful. Okay. So the other one yes. I just want to share just quickly is about Annabelle again. So lots of stories about Annabelle, but this is the very first place. So this is an animal welfare story that I always share. So the very first place she visited with me was a senior's residence as a therapy dog. And she, made this really strong connection with a man named Ruben um, and very strong connection. And she visited him. She would visit other people there, but she really always wanted to see Ruben. Mm -hmm. So for about two years. So then sadly 
uh, Ruben had passed and on the morning we were supposed to go there. So we did go in the afternoon still and she was looking for Ruben, right? Uh, yeah. And so we came home and my husband came home and all the dogs went running to the door except Annabelle. And that's unusual, right? And so he's like, well, where's Annabelle? I said, well, actually, Ruben had, Ruben had passed today, and she seems kind of sad because I thought she came, seemed kind of sad. But I thought, oh, I'm just pretending. Like, I'm just making that up. So she was actually sitting in the living room when he came in, and she had her head on her little paws, and her head was down. Yeah. And we're like, she is, yeah. right? Like, she is sad. She sure. sensed what she was missing. And so I took her back two more times, and she just searched for him. So I was like, this is cruel in my mind i'm not taking her back anymore we found somewhere else to visit one-on-one -on -one with someone and another dog ended up going there because i thought wow did she ever pick up like how does she know like i i I, know. I still can't explain that uh, i gotta jump in here because this is something so yeah. close to my heart that when peanut passed away yeah she passed away very quietly. Yeah. You know, she'd been lying in the same spot for two days. Yeah. Her heart just slowly stopped. I was there. I looked in her eyes as they closed. Yeah. Nothing really changed. My dog, Jack, who's the dominant king yeah. energy dog. Yeah. He was in a car on the drive with the other two. And I let all three dogs out. And they always kind of come running in. Yeah. It's the only time in his entire life he stopped at that door. Oh. And he couldn't see her. This is a doorway where there's no way he could. I mean, yeah. you might be able to just see this dog lying on a blanket, but you yeah. she'd been lying there for two days. You couldn't see that her heart had stopped. I mean, yeah, yeah. For the last two days, I've been checking to looking at it to see if she was had passed away. Yeah. But he would not set foot. I even used food to try and bribe him to come in. Yeah. He said, I am there is no way I'm crossing this threshold. He oh, knew God. before he even got to that doorway. Interesting. And there was no screaming. There was no crying from me. Yeah. There was no scent or smell released as far as I'm aware. It's yeah. not like she'd, she'd already been incontinent for a day. Yeah, yeah. But he knew. Wow. He got out of that car. He ran to the back door and stopped because he knew she'd, she'd already passed. And it was in honor of her. He didn't come in for ages. And then he went and did this process because he's a real dog who knows when people have passed over. Animals right. have died. Right. And I have no, I've got a whole blog post, which I think I'll, I'll put a link to it on the page. Yeah. Because um, we are coming to the end here. And so I'll put yeah. a link to all of your stuff, uh, probably leads into it. I'll put a link to that story. Yeah. I'll put a link so people can, I'll grab some pictures of dear Subi. Yeah. She sounds a darling and Annabelle and. Um, Kisby. <laughs> Kisby. And, and so tell me, um, yeah. Colleen, how do people, or what, what can people do if they want to get involved in this? I'll put your websites up, colleendell.ca for uh, Canada. And um, yeah. Your other website is what's the other one? Therapy Dogs one. That's yeah, therapydogs.ca. So therapy dogs with an S. And we now, because of COVID, uh, obviously are not out and about visiting. So what we do is we have our therapy dogs online cool. on lots of different social media platforms. Lovely. Yeah. And, and, you know, some of you may be listening to this in many, many years time. So it may be that COVID's, uh, we've forgotten what COVID is, hopefully. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> so, all of this um, podcast will transcribe it so you can read it. The links are there, the photos. You can see um, Dr. Colleen. And, um, yeah, what else can I say? It's been fascinating. I've learned so much. Loved it. Thank you. I loved being on. Thanks so much for the conversation. And um, 
maybe one day in the future we can dive into some more of that stuff maybe the addiction side of things I'm fascinated with that and the yeah. trauma and how the dogs can help but uh they're pretty amazing oh have a beautiful day it's been a lot of fun chatting to you and um thanks for sharing for sure thank you so much for your time yeah thank you thank you all right guys so that's another episode of the doggy dan podcast show thank you for listening and um yeah remember to subscribe and tune in and click on the link and uh you'll be able to go and have a look at uh, colleen dell's uh, all the stuff that she does and get involved and um yeah help in any way that you can have a great day guys and as always love your dogs you've been listening to another episode of the doggy dan podcast show bringing you one step closer to creating harmony with your dog.